Welcome to episode 208 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This show was recorded on Monday, 11th February, 2019. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to jensenusa.com slash the spokesman. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at www.thefredcast.com. I'm one of the hosts and producers of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and all sorts of other information, please visit our website at www.the-spokesmen.com. And now, here are the Spokesmen. Hi there, everybody. I'm Carlton Reed, a historian of cycling, as you'll hear later in the show, and also a contributor to Forbes.com. And I am really pleased to be able to say that we've got some of the old timers, or one of the old timers anyway, back on today's show. And that's Tim Jackson, uh, who we haven't heard from for a while, apart from, of course, on the uh, highlight show uh, a few episodes back. Uh, we also have uh, Donna Tochi. And we have, of course, the, our old, old, long-time uh, show stalwart, Jim Moss. And welcome to show 208 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. And we have a, a reasonably full lineup of guests today. And it is really like the old days, apart from we haven't got David uh, here today. Although he is, as, as Donna has just told me, he had a shoulder injury, but he is back skiing. So David, if you're listening, it's absolutely fantastic uh, that you're back on the skis and it sounds as though you're going to be back on the bike when the, the snows go away again, which is fantastic. So I just mentioned Donna there. Donna, how are you doing? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this, we're good here just outside of Boston and it's a beautiful sunny day on Sunday. What day are we doing this? The 10th? It's good yep. to be back with everybody. Very excited. I, I have been watching lots of news about incredible weather you've been having across there though. Has that gone or do you still have this weather? No, we have not had any of that S word most of really? the winter. Yes. We're going to get a little bit this week, but not too much. So this is my kind of winter. Oh, you wow. I thought need... it was just the whole East Coast and the whole West Coast and the whole fly everywhere. I thought everywhere was just covered in snow. That's the kind of the news we got this side. Um, not, not here in Boston, but Tim, you would oh. still need your little arm warmers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's very Shape. cold. Maybe too I'm not bringing I'm not bringing Tim in until the end here. Okay. I'm going to bring Jim in first. So how, howdy, howdy, Jim. How are you doing? I get a howdy because I'm out west. Um, you yeah. had a dress for the cold. I, I'm doing great. I'm looking at uh, um, the snow. Uh, you would not want to ride a bike unless it, mm. uh, you could. Well, you'd ride an electric bike with your feet out. Uh, skis, uh, tripod type of situation. Um, supposed to be warming up today. My neighbor whose driveway gets sun year round is clean and mine looks like an ice skating rink. <laughs> anyway. Hi, see, how are you? See, I'm, I'm not giving too many secrets away here, but David's drive is under, under floor heated. So his drive never ices up. You haven't got that? I'm what? not independently wealthy like David is. 
So you, you, you go to David's house in the snow and his driveway is completely clear because it's it's heated from underneath. Is that not normal? <laughs> no, that is not normal. I'm giving away David's wealth secrets here. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. That's that's the cruel. Jack- that's I, I'm, cool. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what he's got. I'll have to uh, text him afterwards oh, and just make and sure. If you find <laughs> out, I'm not saying something. We're going to have a little comment about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, not too many secrets here, but he's on a slight slope, so I guess he, you know, any ice at all, and he will not be able to go on his driveway. So I'm guessing I'm that's why he has this technology. I come out of my driveway and I end up with my neighbors across the street. I'm not careful, so. <laughs> okay well we do get that weather here in the uk but once a year if that Uh, and we also have the 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 arm warmer king we have uh, tim jackson welcome back on the show tim oh hey hi Uh, so and and as as i said er, (laughs) hi yeah i'm back and and as i as i said on twitter uh, apologies in advance to all the listeners who uh are probably bummed out about my return but i'm here no 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 the fan base will go up now on this recording. I'm really? sure the stats will be fantastic. Oh, totally. Right. Now, Tim, right. you, you, uh, make us all feel jealous. So you, are you in arm warmer weather now? Like kind of freezing for you? Um, by by San Diego standards, we've actually been having quite an actual winter. Um, temperatures have dipped below the 60s on, on more than one occasion and in in sunlight below the 60s, not just, not just nighttime when it actually gets rather chilly. Um, at night, it's been dipping into the 40s, which is again by by our standards here, uh, Arctic. Um, I I have to confess, I haven't been on my bike in close to two weeks because it's just been mm. a lot going on. And on top of that, we've had way more rain than we've had recently in recent years past, so, which we mm-hmm. desperately desperately need. Um, and rain, you don't go out. It's just it's just you can't go out and rain, can you? Yeah, not here. It's not advisable with the way people drive. No. Oh my god! No, no. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough. Ob- obviously, I'm the poster child for getting hit by cars. Um, <laughs> so you know, I, I I try to avoid increasing the likelihood of of that happening. And and riding in the rain here. Um, as much as I trust my riding skills, I don't trust people's driving skills. Even when I'm in my is car. Is that because? Is that because people aren't used to the rain, so they go crazy? They don't know what to do in it, or it's just slippery because of all the oil on the road? Why? Why is rain such a problem? All of the above. Uh, drivers mm. here are inattentive at best um, in broad mm. daylight, um, but when it gets cloudy and it rains, they're less less aware of what's going on because they're they're in panic mode because something wet is falling from the sky and it happens so infrequently here. Um, and yes, then the, everything just washes into the street, uh, in terms mm. of debris and oil and all that. So it, it just, we don't get enough rain frequently enough that when we have rain, the roads can handle it, um, directly mm. outside of my apartment. Um, when we get anything that, that resembles measurable rain, the, the street just completely floods. There's, um, probably a good six to eight inches of standing water depth, um, <laughs> for a, a lot of uh, the road around here. So it's kind of, it's kind of nuts. And I'm on a, I'm on the top of a hill um, in the neighborhood that I'm in. And, and so it's kind of, that's one of the, the, the big catch 22s about rain in San Diego and, and in lots of Southern California is that we don't have any way of collecting rainwater. Rainwater here literally goes into the gutters and drains and straight to the ocean. 
So we don't we don't really benefit other than not having to water lawns and rinsing off the the dust from the cars, um, but we don't collect that rainwater. So it's it's kind of a uh, a yay and a boo at the same time because it just washes off from a from a cycle standpoint because it it just washes so much debris into the roadways mm. and. I mean, broken glass is the, the least of your worries. You know, there's all the, the submerged potholes that all of a sudden you don't see anymore because the, the roads are flooded. I mean, it, truly, the shoulders are just completely underwater. So all the bike lanes, you can see the paint stripe, but you can't see anything else. So, I mean, it's just like, oh, hey, there's that, that pothole that I didn't see because it was, you know, eight inches underwater. So it's just kind of nuts. So you go on an indoor bike? With a I haven't, swift, I haven't been riding anything at all. I I'm on second Nothing. floor, and so uh, I don't ride inside because it just makes an, an ungodly amount of noise for my poor neighbor downstairs. I've I've tried it in the past, mm. and it just sounds like I'm coming through the ceiling to them. So uh, <laughs> I tend to not ride inside. Uh, in years past, when I've talked about riding my rollers uh, for my winter mm-hmm. training, I've done that literally in in my driveway outside of the building. And usually late at night, um, which really freaks out the neighbors who walk by with their dogs, <laughs> I, mm-hmm. getting the, the usual comment of, wow, you're working really hard to go nowhere. Ha, ha, ha. So mm-hmm. it's kind of kind of hard to do, do Zwift outside. Yeah, that's um, my life model. <laughs> working hard yeah. to go nowhere. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the bike yeah. industry. <laughs> yeah. And uh, talking about welcome to the bike industry, Tim, what uh-huh. exactly are you doing at the moment? You said Man, that was an ESM excellent segue. Bike. God, you do that. It was well. good. Yeah. It was good. You should be a show host or something. <laughs> um, well, yes. I'll uh, make a I, note. Yeah, yeah. Please do. <laughs> um, well, I, I do still have PowerWord Communications, and I have a couple small clients that I work with there. But the the biggest project that I'm working on now is with my uh, longtime friend and working companion, uh, Sean Neal. And he and I are partners in, a, in really in his business, and I'm, I'm a partner in his business, which is ESM Bike. And we are an importer, distributor, sales and marketing company, if you will, for a couple of small brands coming in from the the place overseas called Europe. I don't know if you've heard of it before. Um, I think your country may be having a spat with parts of it. I'm not really sure. Um, Don't get I, ha- I haven't seen Don't much get news lately. <laughs> um, so so tell us which which parts of Europe uh, we are dealing with a lovely company called Close the Gap, which uh, makes a product called Hide My Bell, which is uh, and they make other products, but that's the first product that we have here. Which is and not to be not to be plugging the product or my company. I swear I'm not trying to do that. Um, but the uh, product that we're bringing in right now is called Hide My Bell, and it's an integrated uh, computer mount that has an out front computer mount that has an integrated bell built into mm-hmm. it that you can also still add accessory attachments to for like a GoPro or a light system. So it it, it cleans up the handlebars and puts it in a in into a small. Uh, product that that integrates the bell and that's something that i really enjoy um, i actually use mine all the time um, and again i'm trying not to make this a plug but i love the product and the other brand that we're working with is era research e-r-e research based out of switzerland and that is a uh, new company that is doing tires and will have saddles soon and some other products coming from them as well. So they're uh, both two small European brands that we are really excited to be working with. And it's kind of a, a fun thing for he and I both, uh, because this is the the sort of thing that um, came about through he and I having uh, 
a shared client that we were working with and getting to um, reconnect. He, he was one of the sales reps that, that worked uh, with me when I was at Mozzie. And so we've known each other for quite a while and um, work together really well. And we complement each other in skill sets because we don't have the same skills. He's he's excellent at sales and numbers and I am, I am not. <laughs> and so it, it allows us to share what we do uh, in one package that we that we offer to our clients. And, and it uh, keeps me uh, gainfully employed and off the streets as much as possible. Traveling. Uh, a little bit. We're, we'll be doing more, um, which which will be good. Uh, as we get get these brands off the ground, we'll be doing more of the shows and things like that too. Things like Cabda. Cabda, another one. Segway wow, King. Wow, that was good. Yeah, I tried to tee that up for him, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there was so a little show the- called Cabda that came out west uh, in January for a show in Del Mar. So how was that? That was a kind of a, 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 a the show where you could talk about Interbike, not, not longer yeah, being, being around. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, Cabda has been doing really well, and Cabda stands for Chicago Area Bicycle Dealers Association. So mm-hmm. based off of that name, um, you can tell that they originated in Chicago, and their show was prominent years ago, and then went away entirely, mm-hmm. and then came back in a rebirth, and has been each year getting a little bit stronger a little bit better and a little bit more traffic and um, has been doing really well while on the flip side, Interbike was doing less well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Cabda started a new show on the West coast here in the San Diego area in Del Mar. And, you know, I think part of the uh good response to the show was due to that curiosity of, well, let's see if this works, what's going to happen, you know, and, and on, on top of that, on the heels of Interbike announcing that they weren't going to be back for 2019, there was a lot of head scratching and well, let's, we got to figure this out. And so I think that was part of why the show did well. Um, but it also did well because I think it genuinely fits in a time that works for a lot of retailers because it's January for crying out loud. So mm-hmm. that there's just a whole lot less going on. And keep in mind that again, here in, in Southern California, rain is a four letter word and not one of the good ones. Um, and it was raining the entire time of the show. So the irony being that there were, I spoke to retailers who came as came from as far away as New Jersey to San Diego for a show in January. Um, and I can like totally. A far, you sound like it's a foreign country. <laughs> well, you, you know, it's, it, the idea that they came all the way out here for a two-day semi-trade show um, was astounding to me considering the cost. And then I thought about it. It's like, okay, so if I'm a retailer who wants to get out of their shop in a time of year that's convenient for them, January and February. February is when the Chicago show happens. So that's coming up very soon. Um, Do I want to spend my money to fly to Chicago where it's going to be cold and snowy as well? Or do I want to go to San Diego where on paper it should be warmer and sunny? Even though it was cold for us and rainy, the the folks who did show up from the East Coast, because I had Michigan came in as well, uh, Ohio, uh, places like that, they're like, yeah, it's, it's not sunny and it's not hot but it's still not snowing 
Um, and so that was, you know, that was, I, I think, part of the draw. But all of that is to come back around to saying that I think that that Cabda, in in the absence of an interbike for 2019, at least, uh, kind of fell backwards into the opportunity to pick up that mantle and become an important partner for brands and retailers. There was there were rumors during the show of ooh there's going to be you know a third show coming and i had seen or heard that there were discussions about possibly going to austin texas and i was like well that kind of makes sense okay yeah so it's kind of southeastish you know it's not quite southeast but it would be another corner in the us for a show and then the announcement came during the show that no they were going to be going to denver so there's going to be a cab to Denver. And then on the closing day, on the closing bell, as they were wishing everybody a, a happy journeys home, uh, they said, you know, we'll see you in Chicago. We'll see you in Denver. And then there was a, a, a quick little and East Coast. And now the rumor is, is that there's a potentially going to be a show in uh, Charlottesville. Hmm. So... Oh. Cabda could, and again, this is I, I I haven't spoken to anybody at Cabda, so I don't I don't know if this is you know for sure going to be the case, but there there could potentially be four different Cabda shows. There was part of that rumor of the East Coast was that it might also be in Philly, but I think the Philly Bike Expo um, covers that market well enough that I don't think they want to go directly in there and stomp all over their toes. It doesn't seem their style to be you know that confrontational that way. Um, but the, the I, I, I felt, you know, and again, this is coming from the very uh, narrow focus of what I was doing at the show and for Sean and I launching uh, our brands and our partnership for the first time uh, there, it was a, a really good opportunity for us to get in front of some people. And I didn't expect to see any media there at all because it's a, a small show in January in San Diego and everybody has seen everything already. But there was actually a handful of media who were there which was great for us because it gave us some of that exposure that we were looking for, but didn't really expect to get given the timing, you know? Um, but there was, there was a ton of discussion about what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And then of course the news during the cab to show came out that Interbike is uh, potentially going to pair with OR outdoor retailer in Denver. Um, but then there was, there was a, yeah, which sounds like, well, not necessarily the best, possibly, um, but not not really the the best timing, I think, for the bike show. And then I heard an additional rumor, and and again, this is all rumor. I I, I don't want to ha have people coming after me, <laughs> uh, but I heard an additional rumor that there's discussion of possibly combining OR and, and Interbike and moving it no, to Portland. That won't happen. Hmm. Um, okay, because it didn't make a lot of yeah, sense when I heard it. Um, other than that, Portland is the mantle for cycling community. But Portland's expensive to get to, both for the exhibitors and for the attendees. Um, all, Interbike is seriously looking at combining with outdoor retailer, but I was talking to Daryl Denny, who's the current head honcho of both, VP, and I got the impression that that's not working right now for some reason. Um, the November outdoor retailer show was wonderful for me. It was the best show I'd ever had because there was nobody there and I got to talk to everybody. 
Um, and so, you know, I just ran from booth to booth to booth. Um, I, I got a lot of comments on these issues. I don't think CABDA is ever going to be Interbike. I don't think it'll even come close. And it's for an odd reason, but I think it's one right up your alley, Tim. And that's the fact that you've got a small operation and you have. Yeah. Right. Which show right. or shows do you pick? Which, which region is the one you're going to go to? Okay. So you're sitting, you're working right. for one of the bicycle magazines or bicycle websites. Which one do you send your people to? Because you know that the media doesn't, you just, yeah, you, the you media doesn't have the there. money nowadays yeah. to attend three or four shows. Um, no. And you got to have an international Correct. show. And they're all going to Sea Otter right. anyway, which is the big one now. That's the thing. If you're if you're media in North America, you really don't give a rat's ass about anything other than Sea Otter right now because that's become you're you're almost beholden to the brands to be there because every brand that has enough marketing money to do anything at all is doing their product launch at Sea Otter right now, either at the show or the event or before or after. So like several a few days before Sea Otter an absolute hurricane of stuff going on at sea otter and then a couple days after sea otter you've got this window of product launch product launch product launch product launch product launch that's going absolutely nuts right now and so sea otter has become by default the biggest media event of the year and and it's not for the racing apparently there's a bike race at sea otter still i i haven't i haven't heard much about it in the past few years because the the media really really couldn't care they're, they don't, I mean, they probably, some of them probably care, but they just don't have the opportunity to, to care because they're being uh, absolutely bombarded with product launches and uh, brand managers and marketing wankers like myself uh, grabbing them by the wrist and saying, hey, come look at this, come, come look at this, come look at this, come look at this. Special dinner, parties, blah, blah, blah. Retailers. And in, in, and exactly. Exactly. On yet and, and that the feedback thing. Oh, but, no, they have, but, but they don't care they, because they, they, they haven't caught on yet because they haven't figured out how much feedback they get from manufacturers. So they go to Sea Otter and they do the launch and they get no feedback. They go to Interbike and they do the launch and the retailer says, I like these, but I don't like those. And that is, is critical yeah. for the manufacturers to, to say, you know, okay, this That's is what we're going to I've got a client that goes to outdoor retailer every year and they sell their products at the end of the show and they track every yeah. single sale. Some yeah. of their sales are five bucks, but it tells them how much they're going to produce of each yeah. line. And that, without that feedback, you yep. know, without yep. that no, feedback. And that's true. So, so that, you know, they lose. And so they, yeah, we hit the national yep. media, but if the national media guy says, the guy say, Oh, we love that purple color in this new design, but the consumer doesn't. Um, you know, they think the wonder. And you just hit it. You just hit it right there. That's and that's part of why Sea Otter has become so important to many of the brands who show up there is they're bypassing the retailer segment altogether, which is why the IBD business in North America is taking such a huge hit is that brands are going consumer direct more and more and more and more and more. And the retailer is becoming the other customer of theirs, it, which it used to be, especially with bike brands, that the number one customer of the bike brand was the retailer. And then number two was making sure that the consumers went into that retailer to buy the product. Now, the retailers for most products in the industry are being 
bypassed by the brands because they know they have to reach the consumer. And it's really created uh, an ecosystem for the industry that is broken, dysfunctional, and trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And I've, I've, I had this conversation at CABDA this year, and it's the, you know, it's the same, same thing I've said for, for years is that I've never seen the industry in the amount of disarray and flux and change that it's in right now. And I've been saying that exact same thing for at least three years. The past three years have been continued astronomical shifts in how this mm. industry writ large does what it does. And I, I, I don't think that we have hit the bottom of that. And I know this is not to create another segue for Carlton because he's doing a good job on his own, is that this, this really ties in to the amount of massive shift and change that's happening at the retailer and the brand level right now. There's a ton going on and everybody is waiting for the other shoe to drop but and they keep dropping. There's two things. There's two industries that the direct-to-consumer, which everyone's jumping on now, are so dependent on the retailers and they've totally forgotten. One's ski and one's bike. And the reason is you can buy yep, a, absolutely. a jacket from the North Face or whoever. Hey, give PNF a plug. And yep. you, you open the box and you put it on and you're done. Uh, you cannot buy a bicycle that, mm -hmm. that, that doesn't need to be built uh, by somebody to some extent. And you get. And that's why the mobile guys except, are doing really well and why brands are partnering with the mobile under. a lot. The mobile guys, what you don't read is individually, some of those mobile companies aren't making it because it, the cost of going yeah. mobile for some of these people is way, you know, well, my bike shop only charged me 300 bucks for that and you want five. Well, yeah, it's 100 bucks for me to get here and I got to charge you somehow for my transportation time that I'm losing. And the truck may be a little cheaper than the uh, rent, but, you know, the gas. So, so there's there's these two industries that are they're massively dependent upon their retailers and they're working to get around them and they'll continue to work to get around them because that's the way the consumers are going. Consumers want to buy it online and forget it. But you've got to keep that retailer happy. Yep. And the consumer's going to start to get shocked here when they realize that, well, yeah, I saved five hundred bucks on the bike, but it cost me three hundred bucks to get it built. Uh, was that a good deal? And I didn't have it for three weeks when I could have walked into the store originally and bought it. And maybe you know save the extra two hundred bucks anyway. Um, it's it's a mess. Um, and it's not a good mess. It's yep. It's bad. And, yep. And then we no, have to show not. issues. And, what show do I go at, to as a consumer, as a retailer, as a manufacturer, as media to get the word out? And more importantly, what show mm -hmm. do I go to if I can only afford a ten by ten booth and I can only afford it once? Yep. Hmm. All of you. Okay. Let's, let's, I'm not going to do any themed segue here. What? I'm just going to stop you dead. And I'm just going to say, right, we're going to go onto a different subject. Because uh, we are, we are, we are 25 minutes into the show and we haven't actually started the show yet. Ah. In, in the fact that we haven't, we haven't actually looked at the show topics that we, we look at before the show. So our first show topic, which we discussed before the, the, the show, is one that we have talked about before because it is does seem to be a, a recurring problem in cycling but what i would like to ask once i've um i've kind of like built this up is is this a problem for cycling or is this a problem for society rather than just cycling alone so that's my question Wait, eventually that's but heavy 
<laughs> well, well, this is what we'll find out. Is this this a problem for uh, not a problem for cycling? I'm not trying to get it away from cycling's door, but just is it a wider problem? So the the current one, and there has been many episodes on this, but the current one is uh, a writer called uh, Iljo Kese Kese. Kise, uh, and he rides. Uh, I'm going to say the quick step because yeah. that's uh, <laughs> easier that's, than That's easier. Yeah, exactly. Easier than saying that. So the the quick step team with their their current uh, lead sponsor uh, attached to the front there. So they were at uh, a race in Argentina. Mm-hmm. They were at uh, the Vuelta a Swan Yuan, and I'm sure lots of people have seen this particular photograph uh, because it did kick up a, a lot of fuss ten days ago. I think it was where this rider or a waitress and a restaurant wanted a photograph uh, with this this uh, cycling team and he disrespected her basically uh, by pulling a, a rather graphic move mm. uh, behind her which wasn't very nice compounded by the fact that his father just said well she was bending over what did she expect that kind of thing. so that just like you know fueled that particular fire and then Patrick this is just Lefebvre a, in the team's quote unquote apology yeah yeah, so it was. It was everything was compounded. So the original sin was then compounded with lots more sin. So it, it got worse and worse and worse, which is terrible. Um, but rather than maybe zeroing in on that particular episode, we can just treat all of these episodes with like the podium girls or that kind of stuff, which has plagued cycling mm-hmm. for many years. Let's just talk about: is this if if this is what you, where you want to go with this with this subject? Maybe it's not. Maybe you just want to go laying into this particular team. Um, is this a problem that's a society problem? This isn't a cycling problem. And we shouldn't be kicking cycling for this in that that's a young guy who, if he wasn't in a cycling kit, if he was in a, some other sporting kit, if he was like a, a touring rugby player, a touring American football player, whatever, would do the same thing because that's maybe what uh, uneducated or people who ought to be educated into what they shouldn't be doing, young guy might do. So do do we get out of jail here with cycling or should we be angry um, on cycling's behalf? Both. So Tim, you above. go for it. Uh, all, mm-hmm. Yeah, all of the above. I, it's, it's clearly broader than just cycling. We see examples of it constantly. And um, obviously in, in cycling, uh, just like with doping, uh, cycling has a great reputation for doping in a bad, bad way. Um, and, and yet cycling has done a lot to fight doping and, and, you know, cyclists get tested a lot for doping. Um, but you know, we tend to be the, the poster child in a bad way for issues with doping. I don't believe mm-hmm. that cycling is necessarily unique in the issue of, of the current outrage, um, and it's, you know, there's plenty of stories about basketball players in the U.S. or uh, football players in the U.S., baseball players in the U.S. It, it's and it's not just sport. It happens in in every segment of society. And so it's it's far from being an issue that is like related uh, as a specific uh, offender. It's it's much it is much broader than that. But. I do think that uh, we're at a point where the discussion happens 
way more because we get to no, we get to chime we in. We see a it a lot more, more mm-hmm. because yeah. there's a mm-hmm. camera in everybody's hands right. 24 hours a day, and there's a GoPro yeah. and 10% of the population's hands 24 hours a day. And so consequently, something that just 15, 20 years ago, no one would have ever known about is now everywhere on the internet. You know, 20 years ago, I never would have asked in a discovery, in a lawsuit for any videos or photographs. It it, it just, you know, it would have been a rare security camera um, that might've caught something. And nowadays it's one of the first things you ask for um, because. Yeah. Right. Because the assumption is is that there's going to be captured of some kind. Anytime in my world, anytime someone's hurt, someone's videotaping it, you know, and you know, anytime there's an evacuation from a chairlift, Mm -hmm. anytime Mm -hmm. there's a broken bicycle part, anytime anything like that happens, there's pictures, there's video and the whole world. Oh yeah. Strava data. data. And now, yeah, now we can match it up. Now we can match it up not only with date and time, but location, you know, but yeah. And so consequently, what men have been getting away with in good and bad and indifference for hundreds of thousands of years is now videotaped and people and society are making comments on it. And you must instruct your kids and you must change yourself to think that everything I do is being videotaped. And if you don't believe it, go to YouTube. You know, you every time you drive, every time you yeah. ride a bike, every time you fly a kite, every time you have sex, someone's videotaping it. You know, and they're putting it on YouTube or Facebook. Excuse me? I'm going to call a little... Yeah, I'm going to call a little BS on this because you shouldn't not do it because you're going to get videotaped and you shouldn't, you shouldn't not, not do it do because it. somebody is going to take a picture. You shouldn't not not Correct. do it because it's wrong. Correct. Now, mm. same thing with this picture here, right? Yeah. If these guys were just like they were tired, they were cranky, they didn't want to take a picture, they can say no. They didn't have to disrespect her. They didn't have to do this to her. And his father should be ashamed, ashamed of how he handled this. And he is not a kid, Carlton. He's 36 years old. He's not a Mm -hmm. 20-year-old kid or a 19-year-old kid. Not that that makes it right either. But he's Mm -hmm. not young and stupid. He's 36 Mm -hmm. years old. So Mm -hmm. this is completely unacceptable, whether it is cycling or not. It's, it's completely unacceptable. And you just touched on something. Parents, if you're a parent out there, you're going to be a parent, you're an aunt and uncle, yeah. teach your kids better. This just, Boys, this, teach yeah. your boys. Well, yeah, teach your boys better. <laughs> I mean, come <laughs> on. It, it, doesn't take, it doesn't take a lot to be a decent human being. Okay, I'm done with my rant, but don't yeah. not do it because it's going to be Correct. videotaped. Don't At the do same it time, wrong. we still have mm-hmm. a segment of our mm-hmm. society here in the United States that thinks it's okay and funny. Well, a segment? Don't even get yeah, started. The president. Yeah. You have a president. Yeah. You know where Carlton didn't want to right. talk about I mean, Brexit? That's, Let's that's just the yeah. very sad part <laughs> is, you know, all these... All these women were interviewed during the election year, and they said, oh, yeah, it's just a guy thing. I've been watching it for 100 years. And so some parts of society still think it's okay. we got to end that also. 
Yeah. So the the, the locker room thing. Yep. Mm, that that mentality. Okay. Or lack of mentality. Yes. So it is a society problem, but that was a cycling problem in that it happened in cycling. So we are absolutely right to to call it out, and absolutely right uh, that that they were called out. But as as Donna said, yeah, the guy was thirty six, so it's. Uh, well, and, and he's getting his picture taken. That's even done. Yeah. Well, right. He knows mm. his picture's being taken. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. As as my father would say, he's dumber than a sack of hammers. Mm-hmm. There you go. I wonder why he picked hammers. <laughs> <laughs> now, well, he's, he's a very, a very poor. He's a very, very uh, poor okay. segue, uh, Jim. But this is this is the best I'm going to have here. So Colorado Classic is going to be a woman's only race. What's What's happening there? Yeah, um, I just think that the finances, um, I mean, no one's going to tell me, I ran into Ken Gard at Outdoor Retailer, one of the one of the, or the major partner in this whole deal, and he was sort of mum on the issue. Um, he's excited about the women's only race. I think it's amazing that we have a race of that caliber that's women's only. I, I hope, I hope, I hope it works. Yeah. But I think it's just pure finances. Yes. I think it's extremely sad, extremely sad. It's embarrassing that we have such a big cycling community in Colorado, and yet we cannot support a bicycle race uh, of that caliber. I mean, it's just embarrassing. Um, but it's but it's just how things are going, um, and we've never been able to pull it off. You know, I mean the 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 USA Pro Challenge just almost broke even the last of five years and and that was a 20 million dollar loss you know so if you're looking at prior experience and they say hey how'd you like to support a bicycle Don't race? Do it. <laughs> you gotta have a lot of money to be able to lose yeah. right you know it's, it's the old adage that we've been using in cycling forever if you want to make a small fortune in cycling you better one. have a big one to start yep. with yeah i was just gonna say and, that. and i think that's yep. it i mean i hope it works i really really hope it works um the funniest thing that Ken said to me, which was hilarious, was the fact that he, he's getting all these comments about why it's women's only. One of them, which I think is funny, is that people are saying that we the men don't want to come here to race. Um, and that's just wrong. I, I interviewed Richie Port one time, and he said that the number one thing that the European cyclists like to do is come to the United States and race. And I said, why? He says, the roads are wonderful. They have big, wide shoulders. He says, if you're off the back, the Americans cheer you on and tell you you can still win, and the Europeans spit on you. And he says, the food is awesome. He says, at the Tour de France, if you're not first in line, you can starve to death. Yeah. <laughs> he says, here, you can go back for fifths, and there's still tons of food. He says, we always like coming here. I said, well, why did you come to this race? This vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. And, and and they love it. So it's not that the men don't want to race here. The men would, the men love to race here, especially the European men. I mean, the American men. They want to be in front of their families. They spend a year racing in Europe where nobody knows who they are. You well, know, for the small domestic teams, it's their their biggest platform to get exposure. I mean, that's that's why right. the Tour of California is as big as it is, is because the domestic teams that don't have international schedules uh, or who are trying to have international schedules, they or their sponsors pay a, a hefty uh, fee uh, to activate and and be a part of the race. Um, 
I have worked with teams who have done the tour of California and, you know, part of their whole pitch to get in there is, Hey, how much money are you going to be able to give to tour of California for us to participate uh, or name other races? And, you know, the, the smaller teams who are not the marquee teams that, that draw other sponsors to the event, um, they pay for the privilege of being there, either the team itself or the sponsors of the team pay to uh, get the team in there. So that's that's part of what hurts races too, is that in the U.S. there's not enough mass behind cycling for the sponsors associated with the smaller teams to pay for the privilege of having that week of exposure or three days of exposure. So it, it's a different ball game, pun intended, than uh, over in in Europe where the, the the events there get so much more coverage on average than they do here. So a small Belgian team that wants to go to Roubaix, they're, they're going to have sponsors willing to, to help make that happen because they know the exposure is going to be there. Here in the US, a sponsor who's, who pays for their team to be there doesn't really know they're going to get anything from it. And quite frankly, they likely aren't because the audience is just so small. We are inside the collective bubble of cycling. But if you look at the numbers, if there was a quote unquote Nielsen's yep. rating for cycling in the US, it wouldn't even measure. The, I mean, it'd be like, oh, yep. wait, TVs were turned on to that? Huh. It was so small, we didn't even pick yeah. it up. Right. So we're a shot glass of water in an Olympic sized swimming. If that, we're a thimble. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I. It's, the saddest thing is, is that when you go out, when the race would go out to some other city, um, when it was in Gunnison, I think the entire city of Gunnison showed up to support the bicycle race. And I suspect 90% of those people hadn't ridden a bicycle in you know a long while. Yeah. In Vail, there were more people at the Colorado Classic in Vail through the whole race than there were in half the stretches of the men's race in Denver. Um, really? You know, there were, there, yeah, there was there were people at the finish, start and finish lines. There were people who were five, six, fifteen, twenty deep. Um, now they sort of screwed up the finish lines in Denver because you had to pay sort of get in. But there was no place, no place along the route where there were people lined up five, six people deep. Um, now it was a smaller course, and you, they lapped it a few more times, well, one more time I think. But I mean, it just it just doesn't draw, and it's just it's just stupid. I mean, everybody in Boulder, the National Winter Bike to Work Day was a big thing in Denver, and yet those people don't come out to see a bicycle race. Bicycle races are amazing. I mean, they're fun to watch. Okay. And no one said anything. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you, have a, you have a bike to work in the winter day? Tim, do you guys yes. have that? Wait, the, what's winter? <laughs> yeah. Even okay. Yeah, we you mean that week where we get our weather? Bike our bike paths here in Denver are clear before our streets are. That's cool. So yeah, that would that work, wouldn't happen uh, here. We we have to fight, uh, sometimes qu almost quite literally, uh, to get an an inch of bike lane in this town. The neighborhood that I live in, um, the the business development district, which I have to pay a hefty fee to to have the privilege of working in my own home. Um, as part of my business license, uh, they they fight vigorously against any cycling infrastructure through the business district because they feel that it takes away from parking space and slows down driving. 
And they, they say that anything bike lane related hurts business, doesn't help it. They are so, and this is San Diego, almost all over San Diego. They are so car centric that the, the idea of safe streets and the, the vision 2020 uh, is, is something that is absolutely utterly against everything they think will keep their businesses afloat. And, you know, I know uh, Peter Flax up in the LA area and his coverage of uh, cycling infrastructure there and the incredible battles that go on. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing how little value, at least in, in Southern California, especially, I should say, how little value somebody not in a car has, whether you're a pedestrian or you're on a bike or anything. If you are not in a car, you have zero value. Zero. Do you think Denver, that's even for pedestrians? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We have really? pedestrian deaths uh, in, in the San Diego area and nothing changes. They don't put up a crosswalk light. Nothing. Nothing. It's If you're not in a car in Southern California, you do not exist. And your value as a human does not exist. We have a mayor of Denver who's putting millions of dollars into bike lanes and bike paths. And, and this, this year, this is amazing. We now have a parking ticket person who parks or gives tickets to people who park, who unload, who stop in the bike path. Awesome. And yeah, we need that here wonderful. because it's, it's completely codified by the police here. They just, you know, there's huge delivery trucks that take up the entire protected bike lane. It is a protected well, bike lane and they're parked in it to deliver goods to restaurants. What we did here is we put up a Facebook page that said, if you see somebody parked in the bike lane, you post a photograph of it. And the city got behind it and the city finally said, okay, we got to do something about this. Because 50% of the photographs were cop cars yeah. parked in the bike lane. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Jim, and send me that link. Send me that link on I, that and I'll put it in the I'll show notes. It. I'll find it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Now, the suburbs, you got to get to Denver to be safe in a lot mm -hmm. of cases. But we have if you can get to one of the main arteries, we have 12 foot wide bike paths. So at eight o'clock in the morning, downtown Denver, there's a rush hour and it's in the bike path as much. I mean, there'll be 20 bikes lined up trying to get through a light, um, which takes up the space of only two cars. Um, and the rest of the city is, is jammed. But the bicyclists get to work faster now once they get to downtown Denver than the, than the, the cars do. It's been that way in Boulder for you know a century, but it's now happening in Denver. It's wonderful. I, I am very pleased that we got to transportation cycling and and parking in bike lanes. That was pretty cool, considering we started that uh, particular uh, subject about the Colorado Classic being a woman's only race. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll have to listen back to that. So how did we segue through that? Yeah. Anyway, it's we did, which person. is good. It's called talent. Yeah, it's it's obviously yeah. We we knew we wanted to end up there, so I do want to move on. However, and that is uh, this is uh, I, I knew about this, and I should have put it in the show notes, but I didn't. But thank you to to Tim for actually raising it. Uh, so I saw this bubbling up uh, on James Wang, uh, his Twitter feed on the Shram launch, where he talked about yeah, okay, yada yada yada, all these products great. However, have you noticed this photograph, which is. Um, lining up uh, this launch. So, Tim, do you want to take over from there? So, what exactly is kind of 
What, what was James going on about? What was special about what, what SRAM well, did? Well, the marquee image of this launch of this new super high-end 12-speed electronic wireless group, the flagship of the entire SRAM brand, really, at the moment, is being represented by a photograph of not only a woman, but a black woman. So from especially a North American cycling perspective, that is uh, like having a unicorn, quite literally. And it, a, 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 British, a, British, a British black yes, woman exactly. as well. And a track cyclist, no less. She's, mm-hmm. That's where she's really, uh, that's where she, her focus as a, as a racer is in track cycling, not even in road cycling. And they chose her. Mm. And mm. The, the, the stark image there, and she's not in a team kit. So there's no, there's no branding on her. There is no uh, link to professional cycling in any way. And in cycling, that is typically how it's done. It's the white guy in a team kit <laughs> climbing uh, Alptuez or something or some other image of white maleness. And that's not what they chose as their flagship image of their flagship product. And uh, whether there was any level of altruism involved or if it was strictly just a marketing ploy to make an even bigger difference in in how things look, whatever the motivation, it's still startling in its mere existence. And it's fantastic. And like James. Well, it was good for, it's good for James to bring that up because it it wasn't something that they weren't saying, hey, we now support black women cyclists. This is just a a by the by. This is an an aside in effect. Yeah, it wasn't. They didn't have so a the, press release going with that that says, "Oh yeah, no. by the way, we're using black women now to to model our product." Right. Yeah, you know, it was. They didn't make any noise about it. They intentionally didn't make any noise about it. They let the image do all the noise making on its own, and because the 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 industry uh, and many of the consumers tend to be so focused on the shiny new thing, the product really did ring out on its own at first. That's why I love the fact Mm. that James came back to it and said, yeah, this is great, but this is also worth mentioning in and of its own merit. And I applaud James Mm. for doing that. And it's one of the reasons why I like to think of James as being a friend because he's a smart guy. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a beautiful image. It's great that James, who is Asian, so he's not, you know, from the typical white guyness of the industry himself. So, you know, he's had an opportunity to have a little bit of that filter of his own. And I'm, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm proud for SRAM. Um, and I'm, I'm proud that that image exists in the bike industry right now when we really, really, really need more of that exactly. White guidance. So James, in... <laughs> is that a term? <laughs> there's, there's, there's a but bit I, too much white guyness going on oh absolutely but i i i'm with you tim and won't it be a great day when this is not news amen oh just man. the way that the catalogs and the sport and everything are that it's just diverse and and yep. the way the world is yep. so good for them <laughs> seriously so in in James's piece, he does talk about um, there's going to be more like this. This is not a, a, a one-off. Mm-hmm. So 
in effect, they're saying, you know, we have a really widespread of people in our company. So we are just going to have a widespread of imagery when we're going to promote our, our brand. And that's like, well, that must be most bike companies must have a widespread of people right? in their company, but yes no. they have yeah. still <laughs> the, the white guyness. Uh-huh. They have still tend to, to focus on that because I guess like your your business district, which assumes everybody drives uh, to to everywhere, uh, the bike companies must assume, well, we are bought by the white guys, so we will market to the white guys, not realizing that you probably don't know who's buying your stuff right. and what color they are, what sex they are even yeah. with many products. Yeah. So why would you just do that? You know what I really liked about SRAM? It's, it's something that Tim mentioned, is that they just did it. They didn't make a big deal about mm. it. They didn't say anything about it. They just did it because, again, for them, it was a no-brainer and the right thing to do. They have a mix of people at their company. Why wouldn't they market to a mix of people and not make a big deal about it? Because that's the way it should be. Good mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. Totally. So the woman uh, involved, is uh, she's 25-year-old, and she's Yuande Adesider. And uh, she, do, Tim, do you want to like mention where she, how she got involved with with SRAM, and and we can then bring in the the very good um, spokesman linkage that we we have. <laughs> well, you know, she is uh, new ish to cycling in and of it herself, and so she is involved with the British Cycling and the track program, and is an up and comer in the sport. And she was uh, mentioned and brought to SRAM's attention by Ayesha McGowan, who has been on our show. And she is a fantastic, fantastic spokesperson um, and uh, has a lot of uh, representation matters uh, ideology that is so, so true and important. And uh, I think that what Ayesha has been doing for a while now is wonderfully and fantastically reaching the surface it's not just bubbling it's her her work specifically is getting noticed she's getting noticed and you know a a high tide lifts all boats as the expression goes and um i'm just i'm just absolutely thrilled to see where her career has been going and what she's been doing and what she has opportunities to talk about um and how that's now led or helped to lead to where we are with this discussion with SRAM. And I, I just, I, I think that's, it's so long overdue. Uh, mm. Riders of, of color in, in North America are so rare. Um, but I can remember a, a young punk uh, so many years ago by the name of Rashan Bahati, uh, who was a black cyclist who did quite well in, in the US. And I can remember when he was a junior and coming up to the ranks and just absolutely kicking everybody's ass and um, including mine <laughs> and just watching watching him develop and, and become so freaking fast. And, you know, he was he was a, a, a sharp contrast to the white guyness at every office park crit in Southern California. And even as a junior, he was beating the pro men because he was just that good. And the fact that he was black, well, not was black, still is black, um, was absolutely just like, who is this kid? Where did he come from? And he was involved with uh, a club called Major Taylor Cycling. And 
you know, as the name implies, uh, just so good, so good for Southern California cycling. And so the more I see... Well, Major, Major sorry, yeah. Tim, I was going to just jump in there because Major Taylor, of course, uh -huh. is your first black track cyclist, 1890. So with my historian's uh -huh. hat on, you know, Major Taylor, it was a big, big was a deal in the 1890s. A huge deal in cycling. In America and a huge draw, like a purse yeah. draw in, in Europe. Yeah. So he could, he could sell out any stadium. Yeah. Uh, in the 1890s, uh, in 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 the, the formative years, in the mm -hmm. bike boom years, the first bike yep. boom of the the 1890s. So if anybody who listens to this isn't aware look him of up. Major Taylor, absolutely go and look him up, and uh, you'll find tons on yes. Google about the first black. I mean, I think they they basically say he's the first black athlete, like pro athlete, that ever broke through. Um, you know, we, we think of, of basketball mm -hmm. and boxing and, but the first black athlete was pretty much major Taylor, yep. um, in the 1890s. And he of course had major problems, oh, yeah. uh, with, with the white guyness, mm -hmm. with, with people who didn't want him there. Um, and he still beat them, but he was so fast, but he was so fast that they, they couldn't ignore him. So uh, he was everywhere and he made a, a ton of money, which is, uh, also pretty cool. Yep. Uh, right. Uh, on that point, I would actually now like to uh, stop for a break and, uh, and bring in our good friend, David, who will wax lyrical about our show sponsor. Hey, Carlton. Thanks so much. And hi, everybody. It's David. And I am here. Well, you know why I'm here. I'm here to talk about our longtime loyal and fantastic sponsor, Jensen USA at JensenUSA.com slash The Spokesman. Remember, that's J-E-N-S-O-N-U-S-A dot com. Now, what's Jensen USA? Well, if you don't know by now, you should. JensenUSA dot com is the place where you're going to find all of the things that you need for your complete cycling lifestyle. Complete bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes, gravel grinders, everything in between. Components, apparel, accessory, tools, shoes, really gifts, everything you can imagine that you would need for your cycling lifestyle. And we're not talking about off-branded stuff. We are talking about name brands that you know, love, and need for your cycling lifestyle. You're going to find those name brands at incredible low prices, and that's all going to be coupled with unparalleled customer service. If you haven't been to Jensen USA before, I urge you to do it right now and every time you need something for cycling because they're going to have it at great prices and you're going to be very, very satisfied with their customer service. Go ahead and check them out. That's at JensenUSA.com slash The Spokesman. Our thanks to Jensen USA for supporting The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast and our thanks to you for supporting our sponsor, Jensen USA. All right, Carlton, back to you. And we are back with show 208. And we've got Tim and we've got Donna and we have got Jim, of course. And uh, well, we we're just talking about Major Taylor and that that I, I'm certainly passionate about cycling history. And uh, and, and, and Major Taylor is a is a huge, huge part of it. Uh, cycling, huge part of cycling. So the the, the blackness of cycling, where we're we're, we're definitely uh, Aisha um, and all the black athletes we've talked about. There, they're not the, the first black no. athlete, but there's not enough of right. them. Tim, 
So we, we need we need we need more inclusivity across the board, not just athletes, but just people riding bikes. Yes, we don't we don't care what color or sex they are. We just want people to ride bikes. Yes. We're we're, ride, we're pretty much we don't I care who rides bikes. See a lot of things most cyclists don't. Um, and yeah, it's a long story. And, and one of the <laughs> biggest things is, yeah, I don't want to slow down walk, that much. Um, uh, well, actually, I'd have to speed up. I think. <laughs> um, but but you know you notice a black cyclist or an Asian cyclist. Um, it's not here in Denver. It's not a uh, a big woman thing. Uh, there are uh, lots of women cyclists. What uh, and there are a lot of women cyclists in kits that are riding nice bikes. Um, but still, the majority of people that are on a nice bike that are you know moving, passing me are white males. Um, and it would, be, as Donna says, it would be nice to the point where someone of color, someone of sex, doesn't jump out in my mind as, "Ooh, look at that." Um, it's just... Do you know? I think in the next twenty years, certainly in the next five, ten, fifteen, we're going to see an awful lot more black athletes coming through. I think mainly guys, mainly blokes, from what I can see. So the 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 SRAM uh sticking female black athletes is fantastic but if you look if you follow any of the twitter feeds from cycling in yeah, africa yeah, yeah. that scene Growing. is going crazy yeah. they have got some fantastic like national championships and races going on um and it, th- there's going to be some amazing cyclists just because if you get more people doing something you're going to get you know more people rising to the top and they will will then come across to, to Europe, come across to America and probably start kicking ass because uh, uh, if they're coming through, what can be quite challenging yeah. conditions, yeah. but just getting a bike right. in a good bike is going to be phenomenally challenging. So if you do want to follow some uh, African races and some African teams, then well worth doing that. Some really inspirational stuff coming out of the cycling scene well- in Africa. Yeah, and that's what's been so great about Team Tension Tomato. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Donna. Donna. No, I was just going to say, in the U.S., the 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 demographic of the country is changing. Yeah. So, just by virtue of that, you're going to get a lot more diversity in every sport. Um, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to be from another country. You can be born and raised right here, and um, and have all these diverse, wonderful backgrounds. So I think you will see a change. I know, listening to a speaker about um, the millennials and then the Gen Zs is that that those groups of people they don't notice quote unquote diversity. It's not even really a word they use because it's just the mm. way it is. They notice yeah. when mm-hmm. they're in a group that's all the same, they think that's weird. So, mm. um, you know, and, and for those of you with kids of that age, you may, you may know that already, that their friends are just this whole wide, wonderful, diverse group of people. And I think that, again, will, will translate into cycling and every other sport. We're talking, uh, Tim was talking before about uh, his part of the world not being fantastic for cycling in that when it's in the rain, all the crap comes on the road and the drivers aren't paying attention, etc. If you read the latest uh, benchmarking uh, report, from it's now from the, the League of American Bicyclists. It was originally from the Thunderhead Alliance, and this is now the sixth edition. 
And it's like, it comes out every, I think it's 2006 or 2007 was the first one came out. This is a huge, huge report packed with statistics. Many of them very, very worrying mm. uh, for the industry and for people who kind of like getting around on bikes. So if you look at places like Mississippi, you have got a cycling modal share of 0.1%, yet they have some of the, the highest deaths of cyclists. Even though they have so few people cycling, they actually have incredible numbers of people getting killed while on bikes. And on the flip side, we've already mentioned it because of the show was potentially going to go there, and that's Portland, mm. Oregon, which has got, uh, uh, from American uh, North American perspective, uh, amazing uh, number of cyclists, including of of, of, of diverse, because Portland is a pretty diverse mm-hmm. city. Um, so that gets some pretty good uh, cycling figures. So have you? Has anybody looked through this report? Because it's a it's a it's a tub thump of a report 409 pages of the state of play of the american bicycling scene i did yeah yeah i i I have not looked at it and you know because as as again as you put it at 409 pages it's a lot to to dive into and um here in the U.S., that type of uh reporting that goes into the that level of, of statistics and data on cycling, it, it no one hears about it. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's part of the problem is that well, you can, it's weird. <laughs> you can just read my Forbes piece though. Yeah. Just, yeah. just, just stick to that. the Forbes piece. You don't I, need to go to the thing. I read the Forbes piece. And the one thing that the couple things jumped out at me, but one is that, mm. you know, the deadliest state for cycling deaths was Mississippi with the lowest mm. amount of riders uh, for commuting. And then the mm. the lowest rate of deaths was Oregon, um, with the highest number sure. of riders. And I think a lot of that is based on awareness. Yep. Right. We all know Oregon and is a wonderful cycling city, uh, or cycling state, but Portland specifically. Um, they they appreciate riders. They they do a lot for their riders. It's a great cycling city. Um, Mississippi, you don't hear about that as a cycling town. Now maybe it's you know maybe I, I was born and raised cycling, in Alabama, but... and I can tell you that the the idea of cycling is you you might as well sprout a third eyeball and a horn or two or three. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, growing growing up, identifying as a cyclist there. Uh, was about as foreign as it gets um you know i and i started shaving my legs when i was 12 growing up in well, alabama so let me tell you, you how popular, you were popular just was. not in a positive way um, <laughs> you were a target yeah exactly um i was a target precisely i can't i i genuinely cannot tell you the number of times that i was on long rides and yeah. had uh garbage from passing vehicles thrown at me. The number of times I was hit in the back of the head uh, by uh, crumpled up like McDonald's bags and things like that, because it was just, you know, I was, I was this weird nuisance on the road because I really, really did stick out like a sore thumb. And you had to ride by yourself because there wasn't. Generally. Yeah. There was, there were only a handful of us that Mm. uh, rode at all where I grew up. So tell me how did you get into really good. Uh, was it because you watched you that movie? Heard? Exactly. I was going to say, don't you remember my origin story? Well, exactly. That's, that's what I'm assuming. But 
Yeah. 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 It was, it was breaking away mm. the movie breaking away. Just when I saw that it, it resonated with me and I was like, yeah, that's me. That's what I want to do. And it, I, you know, genuinely when I years later became the brand manager at Mozzie taking over that brand that was represented in the movie that was written by my hero in the movie. I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk about full, full circle there. And faking Italian accents ever since. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, it is amazing. And not so very vain. Growing up in Alabama, I never would have guessed that based on your accent. That's sort of, I mean, nobody loses their Alabama accent. Very mild. Very, I always had a very mild accent. Although you give me about 10 minutes on the phone with my dad and you'd think I never left. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could see that. So, so getting back to what we were talking about. Yes. So my, my theory was correct, right? Because there aren't a lot of, maybe a lot of uh, awareness campaigns or maybe cycling isn't as popular in, in Mississippi, Alabama as it would be in Oregon. So that kind of makes sense for the statistics. Yes. Yes. It's the motorists just aren't exactly. used to cyclists being there, so they're more likely to run them down because it's like, what the hell was that? I've just, oh, I've just yeah. killed someone. Well, it's hard to see them in those yeah. trucks. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If you, you don't have those in uh, the UK, um, you get a pickup truck, you jack it up off the ground so mm. high that you need a stepladder to get into it, and you put monster tires on it to make it even bigger, mm. and then you put a confederate flag flying out the back or on the side you paint it on and you drive like an idiot i've seen the pictures of them but then again i've cycled to it in iceland and you get this very similar trucks doing 90 miles an yeah. hour on dirt roads in iceland and they come past you and they really? don't care that you're there yeah it's wow. awful it's in you you see cyclists killed in iceland yeah. you go yeah i know why they were killed because it's been run over by yeah. a, a 90 mile an hour SUV. Uh, I'm guessing a lot of them are tourists, you know, getting these incredible mammoth vehicles and then just going back road. Huh. And then they, they, you kind of see them from miles away because it's yeah. Iceland is actually, you know, you think of Iceland being this like snow. It's actually, there's no snow there. Um, rarely. Anyway, it's, it, there's a few glaciers and stuff, but it's basically, it, it's Europe's only desert. So it's basically sand. So you see these mammoth, stupidly huge US style vehicles coming from a long, long way away. But then you just assume they'll get out of your way, but they don't. <laughs> You've got to get out yeah. of their way and and quick. So I'm guessing that's a similar sort of thing, Jim, that these big things mm -hmm. and you just, you get out of their way. They're not going to, you know, you know, 1.5 meters passing the rider. They're just going to go, did I hit something? Oh, oh who cares? <laughs> yeah. I, I did tick off, I think, everybody in Alabama with my comment, probably. So, Well, me too for Iceland, so we'll worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll probably still be on, a, on, a, on an even level with just the fact that I'm on the show. You know, that's, that seems to send people in a tizzy as well. And now, we, we did have more subjects to talk about. Uh, on here, but because we spent 25 minutes just introducing Tim again, we can't really, <laughs> we can't really again, talk about another banner show. everything. Now, one of the things was helmets, so we could spend another three hours on, on helmets. So I'm going to suggest that we don't talk about helmets. We don't talk about Bicycle Retailer being taken over by Velo News, which is another topic. And we just end the show on uh, no tips ha 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 because david's not here uh we just end the show on on <laughs> uh who we are and uh so let's start with donna donna where can we where can we see and 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 find your stuff 
also, you can see and find me on Twitter um, and on Instagram. But as I always say on Instagram, you may find more of my husky than you will about cycling. Um, but uh, but Bella sure really is cute. cute. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, Bella's really cute. Um, so, um, and and maybe the Bruins and my nieces. So I've seen lots um, of Bruins. That's, that's was that some sort of or Patriots? I was looking at your Twitter feed. Was that a? Was what is that all about? The Patriots for the football. That was football. Okay. And they, yeah, that was last week. And then and then yesterday we were just at the Bruins game. So, um, but uh, but Twitter at Donatosi on Twitter, you can find me there. Interact with me. Let me know what you might want for additional topics, or if you have a tip, because I always <gasps> like to best on tips. Jeez. Mm. I know, right? You haven't been here in a long time. <laughs> you didn't. Yeah. You didn't get the. Tim hasn't even. Tim Jackson. Last time David Bernstein was on, who hadn't been on a long while. We just. Well, I. Every time he said something, who are you? <laughs> you know me. Just a joy mm-hmm. to be around. Well, who are you, Jim? Who are you? Where, where do we find you? Uh, recreation law or law one word on Twitter. Um, rec law rec law at recreation.law at gmail.com just google recreation law you will find me and you've been on instagram lately well i yeah i i use a service um i picked up a client that is into online social media marketing and so i use uh this they call it an app i call it a website that loads for me and they added instagram and so i started posting on instagram and this is the scary part. I, I, you know, you have to set it up on your phone and I hadn't ever looked at it because, you know, it wasn't one of my things. And the other day I went and looked and I had a couple hundred likes and I was like, Whoa, what happened? You know, so Likes on what Jim? What, what was the topic? Oh, everything I post on, um, uh, legal stuff from cycling, skiing, outdoor recreation, uh, environmental issues, which is my personal thing, which sort of ticks people off. Um, hashtag stupid POTUS, uh, all sorts of things. <laughs> did I slide that in? You did. Uh, <laughs> at least you can vote yours out. We can't. Anyway, Tim. We've got to skip Brexit. Anyway, Tim, yeah. Tim, where can we find you these fine days? Oh, well, let's see. Yeah, uh, when I'm not. In, in Twitter jail, I'm on Twitter at Timothy V. Jackson. Um, I'm also Timothy V. Jackson on Instagram and um, the esmbike.com website uh, showcases the brands that, that uh, we work with. And um, yeah, that's kind of that's, that's the biggies. Cool. And I'm Carlton Reed, and you can find my words now on Forbes. Dot oh, com yeah. in, in the yeah. transportation cool. kind of angle. Thank you. And you can also find me on Twitter uh, at Carlton Reed, R E I D, and Instagram, but like Donna, it's mainly dogs. Um, <laughs> as bike. Um, and this has been show 208 of this. Uh, what is this show called? The Spokesman Cycling Round Table <laughs> Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Tim, <laughs> bringing me back to, to, to ground level there. Um, and we will have another show uh, uh, very shortly. It's been fantastic, in fact, to be talking to you guys again. 
Uh, and it has been, I, I'll, I'll just explain here, it has been difficult uh, to get everybody in, in one place. It always is to, to kind of lasso you all together. Probably the last time was completely my fault in that I emailed you out and then I didn't get the emails back. So I didn't then say, oh, let's 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 record the show. So I many apologies to you guys for me missing you on the last occasion when I should have been paying attention to don't, you don't putting worry, your, your, your words on. I made a mistake. No, I, fe- I, felt, I felt terrible. It's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, many apologies. Anyway, um, so uh, next show. Uh, hopefully, we'll, we'll we'll feature more of these uh, uh, fine people. Uh, show notes and more can be found at uh, the-spokesmen.com. And uh, you can find a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about uh, today, especially if uh, if Jim sends me a couple of the links there that I, that I asked for. I'll add all those th- things in. Let me end the show by just saying, get out there and ride. You can see when you're talking. Voice stuff, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So you now you can see what I see. That's cool. Apart from the. That's just not fair. (laughs) Get your own. Is there is there a drum snare in there? Do you get that too? There we go. Nice. I can I can basically put anything in. Technically, I could put David in, and just have a load of his conversations, and Mm -hmm. like, and then just bring him in. He could say, "Yeah, I agree with that." All right, David. We need to record some of those. Exactly. Get him in the show. Even though he's record a a couple of canned responses. Yeah. Yeah. Like David hologram, like you get on rock concerts. You know, it's like he's in the show still.